Holy Father in heaven, praise, glory, honor, and adoration be unto your holy name for the privilege of life that you've given it to us and also for your goodness and mercy and love bestowed in various ways in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for the air we breathe, the water we drink, the food we eat, the shelter, the protection, the security we enjoy. All these things you've given to us not because of our goodness or holiness. We worship you, dear Lord. Speak to us now from your word. Put your words in my mouth, O Lord. Grant me of your spirit, O Lord. For the sake of your children who would be listening, Lord, please, may the bread of life be broken in such ways that we all shall be blessed, that we all shall learn how to become sons and daughters of God. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, January 24 Looking at Christ But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 In the midst of a life of active labor, Enoch steadfastly maintained his communion with God. The greater and more pressing his labors, the more constant and earnest were his prayers. He continued to exclude himself at certain periods from all society. After remaining for a time among the people, laboring to benefit them by instruction and example, he would withdraw to spend a season in solitude, hungering and thirsting for that divine knowledge which God alone can impart. Communing thoughts with God, Enoch came more and more to reflect the divine image. His face was radiant with a holy light, even the light that shineth in the face of Jesus. As he came forth from these divine communings, even the ungodly beheld with awe the impress of heaven upon his countenance. Enoch kept the Lord ever before him. He made Christ his constant companion. He was in the world and performed his duties to the world, but he was ever under the influence of Jesus. He reflected Christ's character, exhibiting the same qualities of goodness, mercy, tender compassion, sympathy, forbearance, meekness, humility, and love. His association with Christ day by day transformed him into the image of him with whom he was so intimately connected. Day by day, he was growing away from his own way into Christ's way, the heavenly, the divine, in his thoughts and feelings. If we keep the Lord ever before us, allowing our hearts to go out in thanksgiving and praise to Him, we shall have a continual freshness in our religious life. Our prayers will take the form of a conversation with God as we would talk with a friend. 
he will speak his mysteries to us personally. Often, there will come to us a sweet, joyful sense of the presence of Jesus. Often, our hearts will burn within us as he draws nigh to commune with us as he did with Enoch. When this is in truth the experience of the Christian, there is seen in his life a simplicity, a humility, meekness, and lowliness of heart that show to all with whom he associates that he has been with Jesus and learned of him. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Looking at Christ. Our key text is taken from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 which says, But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Here is found how to walk with God. We have been looking at the life of Enoch, the man who the Lord took. He never tasted death. And the Lord did that to show us that he is going to reward those who diligently seek him. Speaking of Enoch in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews 11 from verse 5 and 6, it says, By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The Lord translated Enoch to show us that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Enoch diligently sought the Lord to the point that his life was so like that of Christ that he reflected the image of Jesus fully. The Bible says before his translation, there was a testimony in the whole world. The whole world could see. The whole world knew that there was this man called Enoch and they knew that he was just like Christ. He had a character, even though they didn't know Christ, they knew that he had a character that was so flawless, so godly, so holy, so righteous, that everybody knew there's someone called Enoch. And I'll say the words today, Enoch, when you say Enoch, well, you just know that everybody's referring to someone who is holy, separated for the things of God. Enoch was rewarded and the Lord will have us know that if we diligently seek him, we will be rewarded also. Diligence is the word. How to walk with God? How was it that Enoch was able to walk with God? That is what we are discussing today. We've looked at what it means to walk with God. We've looked at the relevance of Enoch's story to our day, which is that Enoch's story is telling us that we also, it's a type of our own time, we also in our present time, God is expecting 
that there are going to be people who like Enoch will walk with him and will also be translated. As Enoch was translated without sin, that so also there are going to be a people who will be left on this earth in, a more, in an immoral society, corrupt society, that will still reflect the image of Jesus and they will be translated. But today, we now want to look at how it is done. How can we walk with God? The purpose or the end of walking with God is to be like him, to have one mind with him. We've seen that is before that that's what it means. So that we have this one mind with him, that his will becomes our will and that we love what he loves and hate what he hates to the same extent. Reading from Conflict and Courage, page 28, paragraph 4, it says, He, Enoch, was of one mind with God. If we are of one mind with God, our will will be swallowed up in God's will, and we shall follow wherever God leads the way. As a loving child places his hand in, the, in that of his father, and walks with him in perfect trust, whether it is dark or bright, so the sons and daughters of God are to work, walk with Jesus through joy or sorrow." End of quote. So here we are re- reminding ourselves of what it means to work with God, that we, at the end of the day, if we are walking with God, our mind will be one with his, our will will be one with his. Walking with God, what does this mean? It is the same thing as abiding in Christ. We are looking today at looking at Christ, abiding in Christ. In the book of 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, we read, He that saith he abideth in him, ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. To walk with God is to abide in Christ. It means to keep the Lord ever before us. This can only occur by beholding Christ, as we read in our key text in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, which says, But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So, from what we are seeing so far, we need to walk with God. But walking with God is to behold Him, to keep the Lord ever before us. It means to abide in Him. It is for this reason that Jesus says in the book of John 15 verse 1, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me bears much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. Abiding in Christ, you can call it beholding Christ. What is the end of it? We read here in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 that we will be changed into his image. Enoch was changed into the image of Jesus by beholding him constantly. Enoch had no Bible. Enoch had no thus saith the Lord as we do today. But his mind was so in tune with that of God in meditation and prayer, we're going to look at all of that, that he reflected the image of God. You see, it is a law of the mind that by beholding, we become changed. Whatever we place constantly, you see that word, constantly, we'll talk about it just now. Whatever we place constantly before our senses, that is before our ears, our eyes, our thoughts, our, our even our tastes, and whatever it is that we place before us constantly, it is a law 
of the mind that we will be changed into that thing in character. It was by beholding Christ that Enoch walked with God and came to a place where he reflected the image of Jesus. So how is this done? I'm going to talk about five things that I have seen, or sometimes six things I have seen as to how Enoch was able to achieve this and also how we can achieve it. The first thing is constancy. That's the first thing. Constancy is what I see in the life of Enoch. There was no intermittency. In other words, he is here today and here tomorrow, here today. Some of us, we are in that state today where we abide in Christ and then we come out of Christ and then abide in Christ. Enoch was not like that. Enoch consistently, constantly had Christ ever before him. Conflict and Courage, page 30, paragraph 2 says, The greater and more pressing his labors, the more constant and earnest were his prayers. So there was constancy of prayer in the life of Enoch. He was not praying sometimes, like he's abiding in Christ sometimes. You know, if we want to abide in Christ constantly, our heart needs to be lifted up to him constantly. In our labors, as we walk, we will keep on lifting our hearts to God. You see, in paragraph 3 also, it says, Enoch kept the Lord ever before him. He made Christ his constant companion. He was in the world and performed his duties to the world. But he was ever under the influence of Jesus. He reflected Christ's character, exhibiting the same qualities of goodness, mercy, tender, compassion, sympathy, forbearance, meekness, humility, and love. End of quote. So, how do we abide in Christ constantly? As we go about our labors just like Enoch, you will meet different situations. If we are not connected vitally, we have been hearing that, that statement in previous devotions, vital connection, constant connection. If we are not in that vital, constant connection with the Lord, we will not be able to manifest this goodness and mercy and tender compassion and sympathy, forbearance in our lives. We won't be. So how was he not doing it? He prays in the morning, of course, and then he goes about his duties, but he goes with Jesus. How do we go with Jesus in our duties? It is by constantly having our hearts lifted up to him. In other words, while we are doing our duties, we are always conscious of the presence of the Lord, that is, having the Lord ever before us, under the influence of Jesus. So the constant thought in the mind is, what will the Lord do were he to be in my position? Can you keep that thought in your mind all the time, constantly? Then when that thought is in your mind or that question is in your mind, asking yourself all the time, were the Lord to be in my position right now, what would he be doing? Then you can answer from the word. Maybe he will be praying when he wakes up in the morning. Then when you finish praying, what would the Lord be doing for he to be in my position? He will go to work. And in his work, how he'd be doing it? Then as you keep asking yourself, the Lord, the Lord, how will he be doing this? What will he respond to? How will he respond to the situation I'm in? Somebody is shouting at me now. How would I respond? I have to keep the Lord ever before me, thinking what will Jesus do. And then when I know what Jesus will do, remember, you will not know what Jesus will do if you have not been studying about Jesus. 
if you've not been studying the pattern jesus christ if you've not been looking at him through his word you will not have the right answer as to what jesus will do i remember how about when you're gisting with people somebody comes to you talk to you about something that's happening in a way that is uh, just to just to talk how did jesus do that luke chapter 13 reading from verse 1 tells us that there was a time when some people came to meet jesus and told him they brought gist to him they told him about the people who Pilate mingled their blood with their sacrifices this was gist they brought to jesus how did jesus respond to the gist and it was maybe even like gossip they were just gossiping and it was just mere talk and jesus responded he didn't tell them don't gossip he just told them do you think that these people who Pilate mingled their blood with their sacrifice were seen as above all people in jerusalem i tell you no but if you don't repent you will also likewise perish then jesus brought another you can call it gist if you want or incident an event that also happened to them he said or those who the tower of siloam fell upon last year in lagos that's in 2021 there was a building in Lagos that fell upon so many people and they died. Jesus brought up that story. All those people that that tower fell upon, the tower in Siloam, do you think that they were sinners above all people in Capernaum or Solo? And then he told them, no, they were not. But if you don't repent, you will also likewise perish. Look, if you don't know these stories about Jesus, you will not be able to reflect his image. So. Enoch knew you should know we should know study the pattern study the life of Christ I recommend the book this is the, the desire of ages and you can also read just Matthew Mark Luke John the whole of the Bible tells us about God the whole Bible tells us about God sometimes when we read the Bible we read stories like I'm reading the story of David and Daniel and I'm reading the story of Asher and uh, as we're doing our Cain and Abel and the rest. But what we need to look at is God. How did God respond to the killer, Cain? He didn't overlook his sin. How did God respond to the faithful, diligent seeker, Enoch? When you see a faithful, diligent seeker today, how should you respond? The same way God responded. How did God treat the person who, uh, like Joshua was, a very strategic planner god rewarded him you too should know that you reward people who are diligent you see you just need to study the bible with the mind that i am trying to find out how god responds to various situations and then you are at liberty to respond in the same situation but you will forget to respond that way if you don't keep the lord ever before you if the constant burden of your heart is not what will jesus do were he to be in my position you will not be able to do that so enoch was always having the lord ever before him thinking what will god what will god do were he to be in my position and he allowed him himself to be influenced by jesus reading manuscript 38 1897 it says we can have what enoch had we can have christ as our constant companion Enoch walked with God, and when assailed by the tempter, he could talk with God about it. He had no, it is written, as we have, but he had a knowledge of his heavenly companion. He made God his counselor, and was closely bound up with Jesus. 
and Enoch was honored in this course. He was translated to heaven without seeing death. And those who will be translated at the close of time will be those who commune with God on earth. Those who make manifest that their life is hid with Christ in God will ever be representing him in all their life practices. Selfishness will be cut out by the roots. Amen. End of quote. So here again is being brought to us the principle of consistency constancy this time making christ our constant companion talking to him every time we attempted oh for want of this many of us fall into sin we talk to god after we have sinned not during the temptation if we will talk to god constantly and the more the temptation comes the more we talk to him we have read that earlier in conflict and courage page 30 paragraph 2 that says the greater and more pressing his labors the more constant and earnest were his prayers so it should be with us is the temptation pressing you strongly is your labor getting greater then our prayers should get greater our labor as our labors increase our prayers should increase this is the diligence <laughs> it takes diligence to do this and that is why when talking about enoch in the book of hebrews 11 verse 5 and 6 the word diligence is used there Enoch was a hard worker in spiritual things. It is not an easy thing for many of us to pray constantly like Enoch would pray. Pray as your labor increases, you pray more. And constantly having the Lord ever before you, thinking what will he do were he in my position. And remember, you cannot do that unless you have studied. You must study the word of God constantly before you know what you can even do. This is the diligence, the hard work that Enoch puts into becoming like Christ. And if we must be translated like him, if we must reflect the image of Jesus fully, there is work before us. We must not be lazy to pray. We must not be lazy in our minds to think of Jesus, to have him ever before us. Let us not allow things to distract us. Let's keep going. I talked about six things we will look at to see how to walk with God. And we have seen the first one constancy and the second thing is dwelling in a pure atmosphere conflict and courage page 29 paragraph 7 says our present work is to come out from the world and be separate this is the only way we can walk with god as did enoch so if we constantly pray but we are constantly placing ourselves in impure in an impure atmosphere we will not reflect the image of jesus the only way we just read now is by separation placing ourselves in a pure atmosphere enoch did not just constantly pray and constantly have the lord before him and then constantly place himself in an atmosphere that was not good he placed himself in the pure atmosphere conflict and courage now page 30 paragraph 2 says he continued to exclude himself at certain periods from all society after remaining for a time among the people laboring to benefit them by instruction and example he would withdraw to spend a season in solitude hungering and thirsting for that divine knowledge which god alone can impart communing thoughts with god enoch came more and more to reflect the divine image his face was radiant with a holy light even the light that shineth in the face of jesus end of quote you see before i continue i want to assure myself and all of us who are listening 
if we do what Enoch did diligently as he did his, assure yourself of this one thing, God will reward you. The reward is you will be like him. You will be like Jesus. The only reason we are not reflecting the image of Jesus fully is that we are not doing what Jesus did. We are not doing what Enoch did to the extent that they did it. I'll continue now. Reading from Manuscript 42, 1900, it says, He, Enoch, did not make his abode with the wicked. He did not locate in Sodom, thinking to save Sodom. He placed himself and his family where the atmosphere will be as pure as possible. Then, at times, he went forth to the inhabitants of the world with his God-given message. End of quote. So, once more, we are seeing the same thing again. There is a balance between what we are going to see later as one of the ways Enoch actually reflected God's image, which is evangelism. But there is a balance between evangelism and maintaining a pure atmosphere. While it is true that we must go out there to preach the word, we must also place ourselves in a pure atmosphere. Enoch, the way he reflected the image of Jesus is that he placed himself in a pure atmosphere. What kind of atmosphere are you placing yourself? If we are not having that solitude as Enoch did, we should not expect that we will come to the same level as he came also. You see, this must have been a sacrifice on Enoch's part. It reminds me of John the Baptist. Reading from Testimonies, Volume 4, page 108 down to 109, it says, John the Baptist was a man filled with the Holy Ghost from his birth. And if there was anyone who could remain unaffected by the corrupting influences of the age in which he lived, it was surely he. Yet, he did not venture to trust his strength. He separated himself from his friends and relatives that his natural affections might not prove a snare to him. He would not place himself unnecessarily in the way of temptation, nor where the luxuries of even the conveniences of life would lead him to indulge in ease or to gratify his appetite, and thus lessen his physical and mental strength. By such a course, the important mission upon which he came would have failed of its accomplishment. I'll stop before I continue. Do you know also that if we also do this thing that John the Baptist was avoiding, that is avoid, he avoided to place himself in the places of luxury and conveniences so that he would not weaken his physical or mental strength. He knew that if he does that, his mission will not be accomplished. Do you know that if you do the same thing, your mission will not be accomplished? Think about it. Continuing the reading, it says, He, John the Baptist, subjected himself to privation and solitude in the wilderness, where he could preserve the sacred sense of the majesty of God by studying his great book of nature and there become acquainted with his character as revealed in his works. It was an atmosphere calculated to perfect moral culture and to keep the fear of the Lord continually before him. John, the forerunner of Christ, did not expose himself to evil conversation and the corrupting influences of the world. He feared the effect upon his conscience that sin might not appear to him so exceedingly sinful. He chose rather to have his home in the wilderness, where his senses would not be perverted by his surroundings. 
Should we not learn something from this example of one whom Christ honored and of whom he said, Among them that are born of women, there had not risen a greater than John the Baptist. End of quote. The sanctified life has this thing every time I see it in common. Anybody who will be sanctified, who would reflect the image of Jesus, there's one thing I know they will do. They would create for themselves a pure atmosphere where they can stay to commune with God. An atmosphere, as we read now, that is calculated to perfect moral culture. Enoch did it. John the Baptist did it. Today, in our time, as we see the corruption around us, we should walk towards having such a place for ourselves where we can just take solace. We can't constantly place ourselves in an immoral atmosphere. John the Baptist lived. It was not something he was just coming to sometimes in the wilderness. That was his place of abode so that his mind would remain pure and lifted up to heavenly things. And we read that Enoch was like that too. Just as Enoch also John the Baptist did the same thing. Now we'll see something else they had in common. So here we are seeing that Jesus called John the greatest. He says, of all those who have been born of women, no one has risen greater than John the Baptist. Hmm. What was it that made John so great? Fundamentals of Christian Education, page 447, paragraph 3. Take note of what you're about to hear. What was it that made John great? Listen to this, because this is another thing that we must do if we must have that life of Christ reflected in us. It says, all unnecessary matters need to be weeded out from the course of study and only such studies placed before the student as will be of real value to him. With these alone, he needs to become familiarized that he may secure for himself that life which measures with the life of God. And as he learns of these, his mind will strengthen and expand, as did the mind of Christ and John the Baptist. What was it that made John great? He closed his mind to the mass of tradition taught by the teachers of the Jewish nation, opening it to the wisdom which cometh down from above. End of quote. Separation, creating a moral atmosphere, also includes not reading things even many of the things that are called religious matter today close your mind to them they are some of them that are traditions of men john the baptist closed his mind christ and john the baptist they closed their mind to such things they would not listen to it some of us go on facebook watching and listening to things from the world those things are not calculated to create a morality in us we go to YouTube and we do the same thing. You see, John the Baptist and Jesus are not people who will do that. Some of us will check people's status updates. You know very well that those people are not people you can expect anything good from, yet you're clicking their status updates. And then when you click it, you see something you are not supposed to see. Just out of idleness, John the Baptist and Jesus, Enoch, they wouldn't do that. They won't go and place themselves to check the status updates of people of the world. They won't do that. They won't go into Facebook and YouTube and all other social media or even in their own homes with the DVDs to watch things, to open their mind to things that are the customs and ways of the world. 
going to TikTok. You want to know what's going on? No, John the Baptist and Jesus will not do that. They were not people who would want to know the trend. Hmm? What is trending? You know, you always hear trending, trending. John the Baptist, Jesus, Enoch, no. They are not the ones who want to be the ones who are perfect and number one in the knowledge of the world and they know everything that's trending. They closed their minds both to the things of the world and not just that, they also closed their minds to the traditions of the Jewish teachers in the church. My brothers and sisters, what do you learn from that? There are some of us who are sitting under ministers in churches, in your church. They are not blessing you. They are teaching you traditions of men which you can see is constantly contradicting the word of God, yet we continue to listen to them. If you must be like John, like Enoch, if you must be the one who will reflect the image of Jesus fully, know this one thing. As long as you think that salvation is a denominational thing, that I must keep going to this church in my denomination to sit down to listen to traditions of men oh that I am in this church therefore I am saved if you have that kind of mindset and you will not take your salvation by the hand and work out your salvation with fear and trembling you are depending on a pastor to do that for you believe you me you will never reflect the image of Jesus fully we are living in a time that was just like that of Enoch that was just like that of Jesus when he first came here today the Christian world is filled with tradition and customs of the world inside the church the, even the word of God has been so perverted to teach things that are not true and if you constantly place yourself under such things you will not reflect the image of Jesus you must like John the Baptist and Jesus cut off and take that reading again what was it that made John so great? He closed his mind to the mass of tradition taught by the teachers of the Jewish nation, but opened it to the wisdom which cometh down from above. Will you open your mind to the wisdom that comes from above? How often are you studying the wisdom that comes from above found in the word of God and the spirit of prophecy? How often in a day, in a week, in a month, in a year, do you pick a book to read from the spirit of prophecy? Do you study your Bible, meditate on it? There is no hope for anyone who will not diligently do this work. It comes at a cost. Yes, separating yourself like that, going to places of solitude, you may not have as much business as those who are in the cities. And then the time spent in the study of God's word is time that could have spent in maybe improving yourself in something of this world and doing your master's or you know your doctorate. Not that those things are wrong, but I tell you, do your doctorate in the word of God. Have you done your doctorate? Have you mastered the word of God before you are mastering your engineering and your sciences and your arts have you mastered have you are you a master in the world are you a doctor in the world not doctorate certified by the world doctor certified by god have you studied the bible and dissected it from genesis to revelation you've not done that but we are doing the masters of the world and the doctorate of the world i don't condemn those things but know you this that the time you spent there you cannot expect that one who spends time in studying the word of God, two of you will be the same. You cannot expect it. It comes at a cost. The one who chooses to spend his time studying the word of God more than the things of this world will certainly have the greater part of reflecting the image of Jesus more than those who are not constantly placing the Lord before them in prayer and Bible study. Another thing we must do if we must reflect the image of Jesus is that we must have faith. We have read in Hebrews 11 verse 5 and 6 that says it was by faith that Enoch was translated. 
and we read in verse 6 that without faith it is impossible to please God. So, what does it mean to have this faith? Reading manuscript 11, 1898, it says, While trusting in your heavenly Father for the help you need, He will not leave you. God has a heaven full of blessings that He wants to bestow on those who are earnestly seeking for that help which the Lord alone can give. It was in looking in faith to Jesus, in asking of Him, in believing that every word spoken would be verified that Enoch walked with God. He kept close by the side of God, obeying his every word. He was a wonderful life of oneness. His was a wonderful life of oneness. Christ was his companion. He was in intimate fellowship with God. So what does it mean? It means that to have faith in God is to believe his every word, that every word spoken will be verified. You're not doubting you. You can't walk with God and still keep asking doubting questions. Where, where did he come from? What of this? What if that? Why did he God do this? Enoch was not the type to ask such questions. He believed every word and much more, he also believed the promises of God that whatever God had said would be verified. His prophecies will come to pass. And he also believed that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. What does that mean? He believed that since God had said, obey my word, that if you do this, I will do this. Enoch strongly, without any shadow of doubt, believed that in obedience to God, he was going to get a reward. Do you believe that? Some people think that they want their own in this earth like Cain. They don't believe that ah, is the one I can see that I want. How do I know that there is a mansion in heaven? How do I know that there is eternal life? How do I know this? How do I know that? Is it true? What if our prophecies, our, our, our interpretations are not correct? What if Christ doesn't come like he said? And when you have all those what-ifs and doubts in your mind, instead of believing, you are not going to do what you need to do to get the promise fulfilled in your life. Enoch had faith. The, the Bible tells us that Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans chapter 10 verse 16. It is by hearing the word of God. You cannot have faith until you've heard God's word. And then to exercise faith means to do that thing God's word says. Not because you think that in doing it yourself, then you are going to get a reward. But believing the word itself. That because God said it. Let me give an example of what I mean. Peter was fishing one day all through the night and he didn't catch any fish the next morning jesus comes and tells him lay down your net into that same river it is the same river it is the same net it is the same boat the only difference now is that jesus is telling him before he did it by himself caught not one fish now jesus is telling him put back that net and jesus was and peter was looking at jesus like and he said to him i have been fishing all night and he didn't catch anything and then he said, Nevertheless, at your word, I will lay down my net. And then he laid down his net and he caught fish to the point that it filled the boat almost till the boat sank. What was the difference here? The only difference is the word of God. It was the same river. It was the same net. It was the same boat. The only difference this time was that God, Jesus said, lay down your net. Why did Peter lay down his net? He was not believing in the river. 
He was not believing in his net. He was not believing in any other thing in the time because it's in the night you catch fish, it's not in the daytime. So he was not believing that, oh, it's because it's daytime I'll certainly catch the fish. He only did it because of the person who said he should do it and he laid down his net. Now apply that to the commandments of God. Why are you keeping it? Are you doing it because you believe that in the commandment itself is life? No. With the motive that it is God who said you should do it, that is why you should do it. Believing that he who said you, you should do it will reward you, then with that mindset, do it. Legalism will be, I believe that, oh, if I keep this word and you start to strive in your own strength to do it, therefore I will get this or get that. Mm-mm. Faith is like this. Faith is saying, it is Jesus who said I should do it. Nevertheless, at his word, if I try by myself, I'm not going to get it. But because of he who has said it, there is power in his word. Therefore, I will do it. Enoch had faith. I could say more about faith. Enoch had faith. And that was how he was in intimate fellowship with God. Another thing that Enoch did was mind training. We read in Conflict and Courage, page 29, paragraph 5. So this is the fourth thing now, mind training. Conflict and Courage, page 29, paragraph 5. It says, Enoch's cases before us. He lived in a corrupt age when moral pollution was teeming all around him. Yet, he trained his mind to devotion, to love purity. His conversation was upon heavenly things. He educated his mind to run in this channel and he bore the impress of the divine. So we too must learn to train our minds and educate our minds to love good things. Sometimes we come to the word of God and we feel like all this thing is boring. I don't like it. Enoch was starting in the same way. And it was not that he just naturally loved good things and loved to converse with God and loved devotion and loved purity. We read here, he actually had to train his mind to love it. You may be asking, how do I train my mind to love it? One way you can learn to love good is by looking at the consequences of evil and the results of good. And then, by constantly doing it, you may start at the first time doing your devotion. Remember here, he trained his mind to love the devotion. So, how do you do that? First of all, start doing it. Constantly, as you continue, you will keep having the Lord ever before you. And as time goes on, you find out that you are going to love that devotion and you love purity. Some of us, we don't like purity. We love impurity. The, the godly songs sound boring to us. We feel like, oh, the hymns are so boring, but it is those songs that with there's purity. And instead of leaving things the way they are, we want to change purity to become impurity. And then we modify the songs into the impure style. Maybe, maybe we still we leave the same words, but then we change the, the music into the worldly music we change amazing grace to become funk. We change all the godly songs, what a friend we have in Jesus. We change it to a worldly style. I heard one of them the other day, well, this good song, Wade in the Water. They've changed it to something else. They've, they've, they've changed the spiritual songs into something that is like a song of a ragamuffin. You see, we shouldn't do that. Instead, train your mind to love purity. Don't change the things of, of God into a way that it will suit your taste. Rather, you change your taste, train your mind, educate the mind to run in a channel that bears the impress of the divine. 
Another thing we see in the life of Enoch is the life of evangelism. We have seen that before, how Enoch would always go out and teach. And it's very important. Uh, when we looked at our devotion uh, two days ago, we talked much about that, on how what it means to, 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 to walk with God. And one of the things we saw is that we must be light to the world and salt to the earth. For more on that, you can listen to devotion, He Walked With God. And you'll get more insight to that in January 22. So you see, we read in Conflict and Courage, page 30, paragraph 2, that says, After remaining for a time among the people, laboring to benefit them by instruction and example, he would withdraw to spend a season in solitude, hungering and thirsting for that divine knowledge which God alone can impart. Also in Manuscript 42, 1900, it says about Enoch, Then at times he went forth to the inhabitants of the world with his God-given message. Every visit he made to the world was painful to him. He saw and understood something of the leprosy of sin. After proclaiming his message, he always took back with him to his place of retirement some who had received the warning. Some of these became overcomers and died before the flood came, but some had lived so long in the corrupting influence of sin that they could not endure righteousness. So. That's one more thing in the life of Enoch. He was a light to the world. He was a salt of the earth. He didn't just shut himself like a hermit in his pure atmosphere. He also came out to give a God-given message to the world. And he helped in bringing many to Christ. And we read that some of them died before the flood. But he was successful in bringing many to the truth. Also, one other thing I see in common with the life of Enoch and other sanctified people like Daniel and John the Baptist is their diet. Enoch was living in the days when there was no permission to take the animal-based diet. It was a sin as it is today when you don't do it the right way, eating the animal-based food. John the Baptist was someone like that too, living in the wilderness. Same thing with Daniel. Our diet is very important today. If we do not understand the relation between our diet and our spirituality, we cannot perfect character. I can't leave that out. If you do everything that I've just talked about, evangelism, pure atmosphere, training the mind, constantly praying and keeping the Lord ever before you, separating from the world and all of that. If the diet, if we don't understand the relation between our lifestyle, let me see, our lifestyle, not just in the diet, but even how you sleep, when you wake, and also whether you are taking enough water, how you take it, pure air, sunlight. If you are not understanding that these things have an effect on your mind and the food you place in your mouth also, if you don't affect, understand the relation between the things you eat and uh, your disposition and character, you will not reflect the image of Jesus fully as you should. It is no mistake that John the Baptist had to live that kind of life, and Daniel also, and Enoch, that these three men, even Noah, was was of the people who, in Enoch's time, the Antediluvians, the godly ones among them, they were not eating animals, the animal-based diet. It's very important that you take note of that. I believe that if we follow these steps as we have delineated these six steps, there is no how we will not reflect the image of Jesus fully. 
The problem, like I've said earlier, is the inconsistency. And sometimes it's not even inconsistency. There are some people in a state where they are not even trying at all. For some of us, we are trying, but there's that lack of constancy. He must rise up to that constancy. So what will be the result of all of this? In Conflict and Courage, page 30, paragraph 3, it says, His association with Christ day by day transformed him into the image of him with whom he was so intimately connected. Day by day, he was growing away from his own way into Christ's way, the heavenly, the divine, in his thoughts and feelings. Amen. May it be so with us. You know, it's not something we're expecting to happen immediately. It says day by day. His way was changing to Christ's way. His thoughts also was changing. His feelings also was changing. There's hope for us, my brothers and sisters. Paragraph 4 says, If we keep the Lord ever before us, allowing our hearts to go out in thanksgiving and praise to him. So take note of that. How do we keep the Lord ever before us? Apart from what we have said earlier, we must also be giving thanks to him and praising him. Then if we do that, we shall have a continual freshness in our religious life. Our prayers will take the form of a conversation with God as we will talk with a friend. Amen. He will speak his mysteries to us personally. Often, there will come to us a sweet, joyful sense of the presence of Jesus. Often, our hearts will burn within us as he draws nigh to commune with us as he did with Enoch. When this is, in truth, the experience of the Christian, there is seen in his life a simplicity, a humility, meekness and lowliness of heart that show to all with whom he associates that he has been with Jesus and learned of him. Amen. Romans 15 verse 4 For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Do you have hope? I have hope that I can reflect the image of Jesus. Remember, all these things we have said, Enoch did them diligently. If we diligently do these things, we also have that hope before us, that like Enoch, we will reflect the image of Jesus fully. May that be our experience. Amen. Let us pray. Loving Father in heaven, please make us to understand better the things that has been said and help us, Lord, to put forth that earnest, diligent effort to do the things we have heard that we may give glory to your name in reflecting your image fully. Do this and take the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.